0: Let me ask you this. What
1: in the wide, wide world of
2: sports is going
0: on in? Sports Central. Chicago Sports Conversation
3: with Adam Hogue. Go, go, go. This is Sports Central.
4: On demand and streaming live on WGNRadio.com.
2: Welcome into Sports Central. I'm Kevin Powell filling in for Adam Hogue once again. Looking forward to today's show. Got some good stuff planned. Steve Greenberg with the Sun-Times is down in Atlanta following the Loyola Ramblers as they get set for their Sweet 16 matchup against Nevada. We'll check in with Steve in just a few minutes. We'll also talk to Devonte Harris, which you may not recognize that name, but someday maybe you will. Um, he is a defensive back from Illinois State a second-team All-American, and uh, he's looking to get drafted. And I think he's got a pretty good shot. Right now he's projected as a mid- to late-round guy, but um, good story there. So we'll check in with then. anybody who knows me, knows a uh, 2012 grad, Illinois State, Fear the Bird. Uh, so I am a little biased there, not going to lie. Going to have a little bias towards that interview with Devonte, but looking forward to talking to him. And then uh, we'll hear from the, the Athletics' Patrick Mooney. I have a baseball podcast called Powell at the Park, which a new episode is up. We had Rick on, on the show yesterday, and uh, that's at WGNRadio.com, iTunes, Google Play. also had Patrick Mooney on, so I'll share some of that as well. Um, I also talked about in the podcast, because I'm a bit of a foodie, and I love ballpark food, although some of it's just completely awful, but some of it's really good. And the White Sox, I think we can all agree on that, whether you're Sox or Cub fans, uh, Cub fan Sox Park features some of the best food around. And next Tuesday, I'm so pumped because every around this time of year, the White Sox invite members of the media to come tour the ballpark. And we go and we check out the new amenities, and they let us try the new food there.
1: Do you, do you get a plus one, Kevin?
2: Do we get a plus one? Wow. I don't think we get a plus one, but you should talk to sports director Dave Bennett. Maybe you can work yourself Ooh. into that conversation.
1: Yeah, just, you're, you're talking my language right all now.
2: All right. All right. Calm down in there, Ben. It's producer Ben getting hungry. I'm, I'm right there with you, man. But I look forward to this uh, every year we'll go. And uh, I'll give you a full report, a full scouting report on what the White Sox are offering up this year at 35th and Shields. Last year, I think the big standout was this giant flatbread sandwich that was stuffed with mac and cheese and steak. Which was really good. Um, I'm just not big on mac and cheese on sandwiches. Like a lot of a lot of places do that now, where they put mac and cheese on a hamburger patty, and they're like, it's you know, or their grilled cheese sandwich features cheese, but also mac and cheese. If it's done right, it's good. But for the most part, you have the carb situation already with your with your bread.
1: I, yeah, I agree. I was going to say that's. I mean, that's great for drinking at the ballpark.
2: Yeah, but. might even be not good for that. You'd be stuffed. You know what I mean? Like, couldn't even drink that much. Yeah, I, I could, guess... Well, could hamper your uh, your Miller light intake.
1: I, I guess it depends on were, were you pre-gaming or no.
2: That's a good, yeah. p- that's a good question. you got to factor all those things into the equation yeah. when deciding what to eat. Obviously, the best thing to get is the pull of sausage with extra onions and a little bit of mustard. We can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll have a full report on the new food items at uh, Sox Park next week. And uh, Adam Hogue will be back next week, so you'll... Um, Finally, go back to regular programming with Adam when I get out of here. But I'll I'll be on. I don't care if Adam invites me or not. I'll be on this program and I will be talking ballpark food. Uh, but one more plug: Powell at the Park podcast episode three is up. Rick Con, Patrick Mooney, ballpark food talk at wgnradio.com, iTunes and Google Play. So on today's show again, Steve Greenberg from the Sun Times, Devontae Harris, Illinois State Redbird defense back, and we'll hear a little bit of my conversation with Patrick Mooney. The lead today though, Loyola Ramblers.
4: You look at Loyola. I mean, what Porto Mosa has done has been amazing. And I love their guards. They got ice in their veins, man. They you talk about clutch shots. Think about their two wins. Unbelievable though to won those games, making clutch shots at the end. One game Ingram, another game Custer who was the MVP to Missouri Valley. So I like that game. You know what I like about that game? Sister Jean, man, in her <laughs> 90s, acting like 20. I'll tell you this, Sage. Tell you, take a look at Sister Jean. I guarantee you, I went from my physical yesterday a doctor said man you got a body like a 40 year old you're in great shape i will promise you sage steel i will be sitting at court side like sister Jean. I will be up there doing a game at 100 years old saying they're
1: awesome baby just like sage steel <laughs>
2: <laughs> i'm a dicky v fan always have been i think i always will be what about you, Ben? You like Dickie V?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I grew up listening to the uh, the Jock Jams and, uh, you know, Dickie V back in the 90s. Love Dickie V.
2: I think I think he's echoing the sentiment of all of Chicago right now. I think everybody's pumped for Loyola. I know I am. It's a 6 o'clock start, 6.07 tips, CBS. There's four games on today, but. And I know there's probably a lot of Michigan fans out there. Michigan, by the way, has won 11 straight games, something like that. Um. They'll play Texas A&M. Let me pull up the schedule here. But four games for the Sweet Six team. Um, and Loyola, Nevada kick... Kick things off. It's Loyola Nevada, then Texas A and M, and Michigan. About they tip about thirty minutes after that Loyola game. Then it's Kansas State. Bruce Weber and Kansas State against John Calipari and Kentucky at eight thirty seven. Gonzaga faces number nine FSU at nine o'clock. So it's going to be tough for this round of games to top what we saw last week because that was just pure madness. It was it was it was the essence of March Madness. Basically, we had a sixteen over one Loyola, a couple buzzer beaters, essentially, or last second victories, however you want to call it. Um, so, super excited for tonight's game. I'm I... Trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Yeah, go ahead, Ben.
1: Oh, I was going to say I'm I'm liking the lineup for tonight because you're starting and ending with upsetting teams.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, pretty much every game has a, has a team that's upset somebody in it. Right? Yeah, and,
1: but coming from the last round into this one. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, the highest seed will be a three seed with Michigan as we uh, play these rounds of Sweet 16 games. I'm trying to figure out what I should do because I I, I anchor sports for the Rokan show on WGN 3-7. to seven. There's another plug. I think that's my second or third plug so far today. Um, and the game starts at 6, so I'll be doing the show and kind of keeping an eye on the first half, and I'm thinking I'll probably have to pop into a local bar around Tribune Tower here, try to catch the second half. Oh, But uh, don't want to miss that. Loyola, Nevada, and we'll have uh, we're actually going to check in next here on Sports Central with Steve Greenberg. He's down uh, in Atlanta, covering Loyola. Uh, had a really great piece about a couple of players, one for Loyola, one for Nevada, who grew up playing together then they went opposite ways and now it's full circle and they're playing against each other And what will likely be the biggest game of their lives uh we'll talk with steve greenberg next on sports central
4: all right let's continue this love fest there it
2: is. it's sports central with adam Hogue you know, on demand ah! and in real time on wgnradio.com 111 on this thursday afternoon thanks for listening to sports central i'm kevin powell in for adam Hogue. our first guest of the day steve greenberg Covers uh, basically every sport in town for the Chicago Sun-Times. Uh, must read stuff at SunTimes.com. Follow him on Twitter at sl Greenberg. Uh, Steve is in Atlanta following the Loyola Ramblers. Steve, how you doing? Good. What's happening? Appreciate you joining us. Let's revisit yesterday. What exactly happened? A bus driver got lost. A police escort didn't show up. <laughs> Porter Moser was ticked off. What happened?
4: Right. As I wrote, it, it, it's not exactly you know, Michigan's plane sliding off the runway before the Big Ten tournament last year. It it, it was uh, a mild form of chaos. You know, the Ramblers were staying maybe 10 minutes from the arena. It took them 30, 40 minutes to get there because, as you said, a bus driver got lost. As you said, a police escort didn't show up. I'm wondering, um, you know, how it is there wasn't a dry run made by this bus driver at the very least if he didn't know the way, but... Uh, you know it threw everybody back it threw everybody back 10 minutes as it turned out because Loyola was the first team to practice yesterday so everyone else had to go later so so Porter Mosier of course had to tell the likes of of uh uh, John Calipari and the other coaches here uh hey sorry guys but you're you know and these guys are all control freaks sorry but your, your day has been disrupted so I think there was frustration and and awkwardness and all that, but it's the kind of thing only coaches would care about. I mean, you think a player even notices if they're 10 minutes off schedule? No, only because the coach is yelling.
2: (laughs) Right. And then wasn't the arena lacking heat or something? I saw a video of players putting hoodies on and stuff, or was that just kind of overblown?
4: It was cold. I mean, it was a cold day in Atlanta. You know, we were in the high 30s. I walked over there from my hotel, which is just about uh, just a hair under a mile. And and I have just this light jacket that I packed for spring training because I came here straight from Arizona. Mm-hmm. And I was, man, I was dying. So it was cold. <laughs> but uh, I don't know how it all got into the arena, but it seemed to fill it up. And, and I didn't notice that there was an issue with the heat. It could be. I did notice all, you know, those black boxes that uh, have food that, you know, rats and mice eat and then they later die whenever they scurry away to wherever they go. You know those black boxes I'm talking about? You put them maybe in your basement if you've had a little infestation. They are everywhere. Oh. In the, uh, on the th- the floor level, you know.
2: Oh, that's uh, nice.
4: Uh, oh, not on the court, but, you know, where the locker rooms right. are and all that. Underground. I saw those in the hall in the hallway like nobody's business. So now I'm, you know, going to be walking around there kind of,
2: uh, head on a swivel? My
4: eyes. I'm darting, yeah, because those things scare me, man.
2: So Phillips Arena is a wonderful place, is what you're saying.
4: I don't know. You know, I mean, it looks nice <laughs> from the outside. <laughs> right,
2: aesthetically. Um, okay, great stuff in the paper today. If you could, tell us about the relationship and the story you wrote between Loyola's Dante Ingram and Nevada's Jordan Caroline.
4: Yeah, it's nice. You know, it's, it's amazing how small a world college basketball is. Um, I, I mean, it feels like you could throw any two teams together, and there's just a connection, or, or, you know, or more than one. And in this case, there are more than one. But the the coolest one is is Caroline from uh, from Nevada, who is the grandson of J.C. Caroline. You know, the the, the Bears, Chicago Bears, great, and mm-hmm. um, well, great, and 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 the son of Simeon Rice. So, not surprisingly, this kid is put together. Uh, and he's a really good player. But he and Ingram met in uh, sixth grade. Ingram used to live, he went to Simeon's for the last two years, but he, he lived in Danville then, and that's right near Champaign. So they played club ball together for five years. And uh, these, you know, club ball comes with uh, travel, you know, hotels and all this sort of stuff in these formative years for young athletes. And Players get really close that way, as much so or more so than they do uh, uh, over a high school season. And so these guys were great friends, and they still are. And uh, here they are back together again. What What is so interesting to me is that in some of the names that you saw, you know, Caroline played on a high school team with Ben Simmons, D'Angelo Russell, uh, two guys who became top two picks. And in the NBA draft and then he had two other McDonalds guys in the starting lineup. It's just insane. And so of course he was in the shadows there and Ingram was very much in the shadows at Simeon. Uh not just Jabari Parker, but your Kendrick Nuns, you know, went to Illinois. I mean everybody on that Simeon team, uh everybody who was around that program, if they won four straight state titles and were prominent guys, these guys went high division one and and uh and and here you have Ingram, who was off the bench as a junior, and, you know, he was just not uh, a very well-known guy. And, and so now these two players are in the on the grand stage, the grandest stage in college basketball. And, and they've gone farther in the tournament than Simmons did, than Russell did, than Jabari Parker did. So, you know, good for them. Resilient, sticking with their careers. Here they are. Really in the spotlight in a in a big way.
2: Yeah, it's pretty wild. The youth, youth um, uh, teammates, and Champaign, Caroline goes down to Florida. Ingram up to Simeon, and they're still they've stayed in touch, right? They've still been friends. What have they said about playing one another?
4: Absolutely, they're friends, and, and you know they're going to be they're going to be head to head quite a bit. You know, they're the just just based on the positions they play, you would expect. Um, You would expect Caroline to to, to be on Ingram and vice versa uh, often. And so, you know, they're psyched. Um, Caroline has probably, you know, had a, well, he certainly had a bigger season statistically. Everybody's numbers on Nevada seems to be, uh, you know, greater than Loyola's. It's amazing. I mean, you you look at, they've got two three-point shooters who, between them, Throw up fifteen a game. You know they're gonna. They they just get so many shots up compared to Loyola, which plays so slow. But anyway, that's a that's a. I'm off on a tangent. I tend to No, well,
2: that. that's that's what I, I wanted to get to. How do these teams match yeah, up? Because yeah. that's what everybody keeps talking about. Nevada likes to run. They likes to spread the court. they got a bunch of guys that are maybe not the biggest, but they're all, I mean, they're not small. Everybody's, I think even their point guard's 6'7 oh. or so. So it, it, they have some length. They like to run, where Loyola likes to kind of slow things down. So how do you think these teams match up, and how does Loyola win this game?
4: I mean, you just nailed it. You know, the, the Wolfpack can... And shoot and and they like to get shots up and they do like to uh, press the tempo. You know they're not out of control. I mean they're they're the of uh, the teams left in the tournament. They I think play uh, you know with the fourth pa- uh, fastest pace if you go by these college basketball met- metrics. Ken Palm and whatnot. I I think the uh, uh, I think that Loyola plays so slow and deliberately and and works so hard for good shots and gets them so consistently that I have a lot of faith in Loyola's ability to dictate uh, tempo, you know, at, at least uh, for, you know, significant portions of the game. I mean, they will do that uh, willfully, and, and they've done it all year to, to, with great results. But, but Nevada, too, has, has had great success with what it does. And, I mean, you can't come back from 20 down uh, against a team as good as Cincinnati you know 20 plus down if you can't fill up the basket and they can and Loyola hasn't played teams like that so it's really an interesting matchup if you know if the names on the the jerseys belong to more uh established programs I think everybody would be really truly fascinated by this game I don't know if that's the case it's you know with Loyola and uh and Nevada but I mean, it's just stylistically, it's just really interesting. Basketball junkies will love seeing how it plays out.
2: Has there been a Sister Jean sighting yet down in Atlanta? You know, I didn't see
4: her yesterday, but I'm sure she'll be there today. You know, there's uh, only so so many times she's going to strike out into the cold and and hit the arena, but she'll certainly be here uh, tonight. And, you know, uh, good for her. She's an inspiration.
2: Yeah, well, what, what's what is your take on Sister Jean? Have you had a chance to talk to her at all? I mean, it's something like we haven't haven't really seen anything like this—a 98-year-old, you know, ma- team ma- mascot essentially, and the players really embrace her. I mean, we saw it in their second victory; they they run right up to her off the court and they give her a big hug.
4: They they love her, you know. I think I'm the only person here who has not interacted with with uh, with Sister Jean, you know, because I was at spring training for a yeah. couple of weeks. And uh, and so I'm here, you know, now swooping in, parachuting in. But but uh, the Sun Times has a uh, a new young, uh, recent Loyola graduate reporter named Madeline Kenny, and she has a great uh, uh, column in the paper today mm-hmm. uh, about her feelings for for Sister Jean, and 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 she knew, I mean, she knows her very well, and. People ought to read it. You know, they lived in the same dorm and they walked to the games together and uh, are became you know quite uh, friends. And and so you know there are people who really know her, and the the authenticity of their stories strikes me. You know, a lot of times with a the NCAA tournament or any other similar event, you get a, you get an angle and it gets played and it gets overplayed and eventually people turn sort of cynical about it. Mm-hmm. This is the real deal. And uh, you can't fake 98, and you can't fake that smile and the way people gravitate to her. And uh, I really enjoyed Maddie's piece, and I've enjoyed all these pieces from the people who really do truly know her. And Porter Moser and his players just love her.
2: Yeah, we had Madeline on the show yesterday, and it was really fun talking to her because she was there was genuine excitement. I mean, she's done a great job reporting, but she has that fan's perspective as well. I, I read her column, really? and I love this little snippet. During my freshman year at Loyola, she became a friendly face for me, an 18-year-old coping with living more than 500 miles from home in a big, unfamiliar city. Since we both lived in Regis Hall, we occasionally would walk to men's basketball games together. On those walks, we would talk about everything. Family, Frank Sinatra, Loyola's next opponent, anything. So, yes, I, I agree with you, Steve. It's uh, Madeline Kenny has a good piece in the Sun-Times. Highly recommend reading it. Highly recommend you read Steve's stuff as well at Sun-Times. He'll be covering Loyola. And um, we appreciate you jumping on. Any final thoughts on this game, a prediction for us? Anything else, you, any uh, tidbits you got for us, Steve?
4: Well, I'm going to continue rolling against the Ramblers because I picked against them the first two games, and I was wrong. I'm glad to do my part. Mm -hmm. I will pick against them again, and uh, you can thank me later.
2: Whatever it takes. Avoid those rats at Phillips Arena. Head on a swivel, Steve. All right, buddy. Take care. Thanks a bunch. We'll talk soon. That's Steve Greenberg at SL Greenberg on Twitter. Read his stuff at Suntimes dot com. So I'm glad he brought up uh Maddie who will be on tomorrow, correct, Ben? Producer Ben, isn't uh, Maddie scheduled to be on tomorrow? Yes, she is. We wanted to kinda want to get a preview of Steve who's there covering it, but then we also wanted to get the reaction from Maddie tomorrow because she is a fan. And like I said, she she did a really good job of, of reporting and things like that, but um, you know, it's it. She also gives you a really good sense of of a fan's perspective. Yeah, you know, I was kind of reading through this today, and um, you know, it's yeah. Sister Jean lives in a freshman dormitory. So she gets to know uh, all the all the um this the student bodies. She's a diehard fan. It's all genuine. This isn't some sort of like side gimmicky thing, obviously, as as we've seen. But um really good stuff from Steve, Steve Greenberg. Appreciate him hopping on. Um I'll tell you what we'll do. We're gonna take a quick time out and when we come back, we'll play a snippet from Alex Debrinkit. He joins Steve Cochran and Dave it this morning on WGN Radio. And uh we'll hear from him. Um he, he did something only two of the best players in the National Hockey League did this year. And you'll hear what Steve and Dave, um, what I'm referring to when you hear this snippet. But uh, we'll play a few minutes back of Alex DeBrinken. Then we'll talk to Devontae Harris, who has NFL aspirations. He's an Illinois State Redbird grad, um, a FCS second team All-American, had a really great run at Illinois State, and now he wants to be a, a pro in the National Football League, and we're all kind of Pulling up for him here, so uh, we'll talk to Devonte Harris at about one thirty or so. But quick sixty second timeout, and we'll play back some Alex to break in and have a little more Blackhawks chat next on Sports Central.
3: Yeah, welcome to Chicago Sports Conversation.
2: This is Sports Central
3: with Adam Hogue.
2: Welcome back to Sports Central. I'm Kevin Powell in for Adam Hogue. Thank you for tuning in. Much more to come. Devonte Harris coming up. Illinois State Redbird NFL draft prospect. And then we'll also talk with uh, Patrick Mooney. I had a conversation with him on my podcast, Powell at the Park podcast. And uh, we'll play some of that back as well. But Alex it the uh, rising star for the Blackhawks. I know it's been a down year. It's been a weird year. They're going to miss the playoffs for the first time in a decade. But Debrinkit's been really, really um, solid this year. And he can score. Had a hat trick. And, um, or, excuse me, a hat trick. Three hat tricks this season. Did I have that right? Three hat tricks this season. I'm all mixed up. Anyways, here's Alex Debrinkit with Steve Cochran and Dave Ennett this morning on WGN. It's
0: been a weird, weird season. So why don't we celebrate the good times here for a second? Uh, I don't know if you know this, but there's only two other guys in the league that have three hat tricks, and they're pretty good. Connor McDavid and Alex Ovechkin. It's you three. That's not bad, right?
3: (laughs) No, it's pretty good company.
0: Uh, You're the second rookie with three hat tricks in 25 years. You've tied the Blackhawks record for hat tricks in a season. That goes back to 87-88. Uh, What were you doing in 1987? Oh, that's right. You weren't alive. (laughs) Uh, You have more hat tricks than Patrick Kane did in his first eight years, and uh, more hat tricks in the NHL this year than the OHL had all of last year. Uh, Listen, man, well done.
3: Thank you. Thanks very much.
0: Uh, Dave, say hi to the cat. Well, yeah, and you know what? We've talked before, Alex, and and you've accomplished so much this season, but I know it was a big day for you. Earlier this week, uh, the Blackhawks Alumni Association named you the Blackhawks Player of the Year. And and I was going over the list of some guys who've won it before you. Patrick Haynes won it three times. Marion Hossa a couple of times. Corey Crawford. Duncan Keith. Uh, Keith Magnuson. The first winner was... Dennis Savard, it's and pretty good here, list. here you in your first season are honored by the alumni association with this award. What does that mean to you?
3: Yeah, it's uh, obviously you know it's like some of the people you listed. It's it's, uh, it's a huge honor to to be able to accept an award, and um, you know even with the year we've had, um, it hasn't really gone the way we've wanted. But um, you know, there's probably. Twelve other guys they could have given it to in the locker room so um, I, I think that's uh, it's a huge honor for me and um, you know I'm truly humbled by it.
0: You know we're so used to, and we're so spoiled and so used to winning with the Blackhawks uh, that this year has been tough as you know uh, from a fan standpoint as well but Dave imagine this it's your rookie season you're tearing it up you're one of the best in the league right out of the gate what do you do after the game Dave? You come in; it's another tough loss. Hey, good game, cat. Uh... <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a whole wah 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 feel. Do you wait till you get in the car to celebrate?
3: Uh, no, not not much celebrating that that day. So, um, you know, it's tough to to give up lead really late in the game. Um, you know, and it doesn't really matter what what kind of night you have uh, individually. It's mostly about. About the team, and um, you know, it's you're
2: just never satisfied with with losing like that. That's Alex To for Chicago Blackhawks had a, a really nice year. Three hat tricks on the season. Only Alex Ovechkin and Connor McDavid were the others do that in the league. So impressive stuff from him. He, that was to uh, bring it on with Steve Cochran and Dave Ennett this morning on WGN. Hear the full interview at WGN Radio All right, we go from hockey to football. Very excited to talk to our next guest, Devontae Harris. Devontae Harris, if you don't know the name, I'm sure someday soon you will. I know he thinks he's got a pretty good shot of making an impact in the National Football League. He's a defensive back, a grad from Illinois State. My alma mater, Devontae, so I'm a bit biased towards you. I'm pulling for you here a little bit, man.
3: Got you, got you, no, I definitely
2: appreciate that. <laughs> all right. Devontae Harris, he's a second-team All-American at ISU. Uh, we'll talk about your college experience in a little bit. We'll talk about your hopes of um, heading to the NFL eventually, too. But let's start all the way back to your high school days. You are playing high school ball at Wich- in Wichita, Kansas. You missed your entire season, your senior season, after you suffered um, uh, a torn small and large intestines after taking a cleat to your stomach on a tackle. What was that experience like, one, for, for your health long-term, and two, about your football future?
3: Yeah, uh, to be honest, that's probably one of the crazy experiences I've ever been through. And uh, really, I think uh, that happening just kind of put me uh, where I am now and it kind of built me to uh, kind of become the person I am today. So uh, for those of you guys who don't know about it, uh, I've learned how to feel my senior year first in the season. Uh, to help, to make a tackle. Uh, tackle. the guy. The, the guy's uh, in his, and his
2: can
3: in uh, Hey, De- so-
2: hey Devontae, Let me let me put you on hold real quick. Your phone's coming in a little muffled. I'm having a tough time hearing you. I'll have the producer talk to you. <laughs> oh, give me you, give you. me one second. Ben, let's see if we can talk to Devontae off the air. He's a little muffled there. I just want to make sure we've uh, got a good connection. Um Something's up with his phone, but we'll get to Devontae Harris in just a second. want to make sure we can uh, hear him clearly. He is, a, uh, as I mentioned, a second-team All-American at Illinois State, and he played in the national championship game. And I've talked about this a few times. It stings a little bit. Carson Wentz broke my heart. Illinois State, North Dakota State, down in Frisco, Texas, about, uh, what was it, 2015, I want to say, or 2014. Redbirds are up with about 90 seconds remaining in the game. There with my cousin Mike, maybe the biggest Redbird fan I know. And uh yeah, the rest was history. Carson Wentz led the team down the field, beat my Redbirds. Still a fun season. Uh, we'll get to that in a second with Devontae Harris. Devontae, um going back to your high school and we we talked about that injury you suffered. Um yep. do you feel like that kind of I know you're happy to land at Illinois State, but do you feel like, in terms of scouts for certain colleges, may have overlooked you because you missed your entire season? How worried were you about your football career and landing a, a scholarship or landing a, a a spot at a at a big time university?
3: Yeah, uh, so coming out of high school, my biggest goal was I wanted to go to Kansas State because that's where my parents graduated from, and uh, like growing up, I always went to, to a K State game. So my goal was to, to either. Uh, play in the Big 12 or uh, play for K-State in general. So uh, that whole process just kind of uh, changed m- my entire plan and, 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 and kind of just made me uh, have to go in a different direction. But uh, it, it, that was kind of something that I was a little pre- prepared for, whether there was an injury or not, or whether uh, teams uh, weren't that interested in me as a player or not. Uh, but it's something that I was prepared for because uh, you're on a my dad always told me to say it goes really high," and if you fall just short, then then you mean you'll still be fine. So, uh, my goal was, was to go play for K State, but falling just short, that was Illinois State, and and I think I did just fine.
2: So let yeah, I think you did too. Let's talk about your time at ISU. Um, you know, as you were on hold, I was talking about that national championship game against North Dakota State. Have oh, you have yeah, you gotten yeah. over that? Because I certainly haven't.
3: Uh, not really, because uh, <laughs> every time I walk into my room, I see these two conference rings, but I'm just waiting and 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 wishing that there was a national championship ring there. Mm-hmm. So, uh, hopefully now I and I can jump on team and, and uh, kind of go win a Super Bowl and and lose that whole idea of winning the national championship.
2: You still stay, stay in touch with some of those guys? Cam Meredith with, with the Bears was on that team. James O'Shaughnessy was yeah. on that team. You, you still in touch with those guys, and how much have they played a role into your preparation for the draft?
3: Yeah, yes. Yeah. So, uh, those guys I talk to a lot. I, I, I talked to Cam quite a bit. I, more so, I talked to James, because uh, him and I, when he was here, we were a little bit closer. And uh, But mainly the the person that uh, that previously went to ISU that that's in the league right now that i more so confide in, uh, one would be Colton Underwood, and then the other would be Nate Palmer.
2: And how how much of those guys influenced the way you've approached your senior season, and then now leading up to the draft? How, how, what have they kind of mess relayed to you about how they think you can get ready for this draft, and and kind of you know inspiring you for your 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 hopes of playing in the NFL.
3: Yeah, so uh, mainly kind of what they do is they just kind of tell me to, I mean, go out there, play ball, do what I can, and kind of just control what I can control, Uh, because at the end of the day, games are going to choose who they want to choose, and uh, you just kind of have to put your best foot forward and hope that they choose you.
2: Well, uh, and last question about your time at Illinois State, because Coach Spack has turned in sort of like a legend on campus, and and the students love him. Um, What was was it like playing for, for Brock Spack at ISU? The
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. uh, Yeah, uh, Coach Back is a really good person. uh, But overall, I I think him being my head coach and being my mentor in that regard just really kind of made me grow up. It kind of made me the the tough, greedy player that I am right now. uh, And and the the player that I became in ISU just because he was that coach that just wanted to get all the best out of you, and he just wanted you to be a tough player, and he, he wanted you to fly around. Make plays, and I think he was the the perfect person to kind of get the best out of me, and that's exactly what he did. Uh, Uh, Whenever I walked on campus, yeah, go ahead. uh, First thing that he told me was, you should be a three to four year starter, and uh, that was kind of just my mindset uh, throughout the time that I was here, and and, and that's kind of what I've become. Honestly, Uh, whenever I first got here, I mean, he always told me, hey, you could be a really great player, you could be a really great player, Uh, but I didn't really believe that as much as he did until it actually started happening.
2: Well, it all worked out. You had 12 pass breakups, two interceptions, and 57 tackles last season. That was um, good to get you second-team FCS All-American honors. The last player from Illinois State to get drafted was James O'Shaughnessy in 2015. Chiefs took him in the fifth round. Uh, What would that mean to you to get your name called in next next month's draft?
3: Uh, honestly, that would mean everything, just because uh, whenever you're a kid and, and you've worked your whole life for you mean this one moment, and uh, that moment comes in fruition for you, you mean that's kind of uh, one of those things that everybody dreams for, but not everyone gets. So it, it's, it's something that's special, and it's something that uh, you kind of work for, and you take pride in uh, whenever that opportunity comes in, in front of you.
2: Every day, there's more and more mock drafts out there on the internet, and some experts projects you as a mid-to-late-round draft pick. Do, do you keep an eye on any of that, or you just try to phase it up?
3: Uh, no. So I usually have people, you mean, reaching out to me saying, hey, man, I looked up your name, I saw this, I saw this. But yeah. uh, for the most part, I kind of try and shy away from it and keep away from it because uh, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter because on draft day, uh, whatever team that calls you do on draft you, and uh, it's never uh, set in stone until the actual day. So I kind of just kind of uh, keep that stuff on the the back burner and just, as I said before, just kind of control what I can control.
2: So I have a scouting report on you, Devontae, and I want to read you. I'm not trying to get a rise out of you. I just want to hear your response to this. We'll we'll read under they have a weakness area and they have a strength area. We'll start with weaknesses, and I want to read you this. I just want to see what your response is to it, okay? Very average athlete. Hips are tight, and his play is more linear than fluid in space. Labors to flip hips and sprint from squared position. Allows too much vertical separation over the top. Your response to that, Devante?
3: Uh, is go watch the combine. Uh, that was one of those things that that really motivated me. Like whenever I uh, saw that, and I and I saw the strength for I was okay. Strengths are pretty pretty accurate. You mean pretty close? And I saw the weaknesses, and I'm like, okay. Well, uh, that that weaknesses was kind of in my favor for the most part because I knew that that I was a pretty good athlete and I knew that if that was the only thing that they had against me and I could prove th- them wrong, then you mean that would just move me up and around and, and that would help my stock a bunch. So, uh, whenever I saw that, my my initial response was like, "Wow, they think I'm average." You, know what you mean? And I thought to it again uh, to myself again. I'm like, "Wow, they think I'm average." You know what I mean? So, like, mm-hmm. honestly, the uh, response for me went from kind of disappointed to to excited because I knew that going to the combine, I had the, the opportunity to showcase the ability that I genuinely had. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. uh, I think that was perfect for them to put in the sections for me uh, because I think that I went in there and I proved them the complete opposite. So, uh, you know, I mean? that was just a perfect uh, situation for me. Uh, I was able to go to the combine, turn heads, and uh, kind of change
2: that perception of myself. Well, plenty of strengths, too. Here's the report. Compact build with good thickness, rugged against the run, attacks run support duties with desired effort and energy, runs through targets with good force as downhill tackler and when striking on an angle in open field. Three year starter with good ball production totals, shows ability to accelerate quickly after changing direction, strikes pass catcher in attempt to dislodge catch, has size and toughness to transition to safety. I'm getting pumped reading that, Devontae, because that sounds like you're a hard hitter, man. Do you pride yourself in that?
3: Yeah, and uh, like I said before, that's one of the things that uh, this system and playing under Coach back, all, all he, he focused on is, is our calling card, and that's toughness. So uh, every single play, I mean, if I have the opportunity to be physical, whether I'm setting the edge and run, whether it's a big hit, whether I'm trying to get the ball out, I'm going to be physical. And uh, my goal towards the end of the game is to make my opponent
2: quit. Do you see yourself as a safety, or do you, do you would you prefer to stay at the cornerback position?
3: Uh, I see myself as a football player. If they go out there and they want me to kick the ball, I'm going to go kick the ball. You mean if they want me to go run the ball, I'm going to go run the ball. So uh, teams going out there and, and saying, "Hey, uh, we like to get at safety. We like him at corner. We like them at nickel." Uh, I just think overall oh, I'm a football player and I'm going to go out there and play football. And if they uh, put me at safety, then I'm just going to go out there, uh, find a way to get better and, and uh, create plays and uh, playing safety. So that's just the biggest thing for me. Is I just I uh, know what type of person I am and uh, I would be more than happy to play safety, nickel, corner, or any other position they put me at.
2: A four four three forty and twenty two reps in the bench press at the combine. Pretty damn impressive, Devontae.
3: Not bad, not bad.
2: <laughs> who was your who was your uh, NFL team you, you uh pulled for when you were growing up? You have a team you rooted for?
3: Uh honestly growing up I was more so in the basketball than than anything else, so I, I Honestly, growing up, I didn't really uh, pay too much attention to to football to, to that extent to have a favorite team. Uh, so, you know, I've never really had a favorite team. I just always enjoyed the game of football and uh, whatever team was on. Uh, you mean know, I, I just kind of watched the game for what it was.
2: You know, some people think the Bears could add some depth in the secondary spot.
3: Yeah, uh, <laughs> I think every team could add some, some depth in the secondary spot. Uh, that's the, the beauty of playing corner or playing D in general.
2: That's Devontae Harris. Uh, Know the name. Good shot. He's going to be drafted next month. We're pulling for him. Illinois State graduate. Congratulations on that. An FCS All-American. A great career at Illinois State. Devontae Harris, really appreciate you jumping on the show today. Appreciate you calling. All right. Good luck with everything, man. We'll stay in touch. Awesome. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's Devontae Harris. I know I'm a little biased, a little partial. He's a Redbird. I pull for my Redbirds. But, man, some impressive stuff he put up at the combine. Right now, projected fourth to seventh round pick. And, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see next month at the draft and um, keep you updated, updated on where Devontae lands. All right, quick timeout, and then we will have a conversation I had with the Athletics, Patrick Mooney. We talked some Cubs, kind of preview the season ahead, and uh, we'll get to that next on Sports Central. WGN WGN. This is where WGN Sports Central lives.
5: Streaming right now with your host, Adam Hogue.
2: Kevin Powell in for Adam Hogue on Sports Central this Thursday afternoon. Getting excited for some Loyola basketball tonight when they take on Nevada down in Atlanta in the Sweet 16 matchup. Talked with Steve Greenberg a little bit earlier from the Sun-Times. And uh, we'll podcast this, of course, so if you missed that, you can go back and listen to my conversation with Steve. I also had a conversation with Patrick Mooney, who covers the Cubs for the Athletic. I highly recommend you you read theathletic.com. Some great stuff there. At PJ underscore Mooney. Uh, I talked to Patrick on my Powell at the Park podcast. Wanted to play some of it back. It starts with Patrick sort of talking about a piece he wrote, which was Ben Zobrist talking about kind of the attitude and the mood at Cubs camp this spring.
5: Uh, But I think if you're a Cubs fan trying to uh, figure out where this team is at, I think Ben Zobrist is a good uh observer uh, of these things and he called it one of the best kind of team experiences uh that he's ever had so um i think the cubs are overall relatively healthy they've incorporated a lot of new uh coaches who've gotten good responses and they've created a comfortable environment uh for you darvish
2: yeah, there aren't a whole lot of question marks, and and we've heard Jed Hoyer say before that he actually prefers to have minimal amount of competition. And I guess it's sort of it's sort of different on a team by team basis. Like for the White Sox, for example, they they probably you know encourage that competition because they are a team that's kind of ascending and rebuilding. Where the Cubs are like, okay, we're ready to compete for a World Series, and they put specific guys in place, but just not a whole lot of question marks. I guess for you going into this season. Are there question marks? What are you keeping an eye on as, as we're just about seven or eight days from opening day?
5: Well, yeah, I mean, the Cubs aren't you know, keeping their fingers crossed about like Brett Anderson as their fifth starter, which right. you know, a year ago at this time, that's what they were as uh, defending champs. I think uh, what I'll be watching for is uh, I'm curious to see how Joe Maddon divides up uh, the time in the outfield and who kind of, gets hot and who becomes uh, if there even is more of a, a regular rotation or if it is just going to be, you know, matchups uh, and things like that. And then I think beyond that, you're looking uh, at the bullpen. I mean, they're going to be careful with Brandon Morrow. They're going to manage uh, his workload. And, um, you know, I've written kind of about the Joe Madden of Circle of Trust. It's sometimes hard to figure out, uh, you know, maybe – the how and why certain guys uh, are or not, but I think the Cubs feel like they've given him uh, a, a lot of options here, and um, I guess beyond that, it is just you know you kind of took for granted the last you know season and a half of the Cubs had two of the best closers in the game and as Chapman uh, and, and Wade Davis, and I certainly think Brandon Morrow uh, can be an out, outstanding closer, but how the overall bullpen take shape. Uh, we're assuming Pedro Stroop, uh will be healthy. Uh, Madden really likes Steve Sh- C. what he brings to the table. And the Cubs keep talking up Justin Wilson. I think we'll, I'll believe it uh, when I see it. Um, uh, but certainly I think if you look at the pitching staff 1 through 12 or 13, uh, Madden thinks it's the, the deepest or the best stuff uh, on paper since he uh, – Took over
2: here uh, in Chicago. You mentioned the outfield, and I'm curious this year because we're hearing the exact same things about Jason Hayward that we've heard the past two years. He's working his swing, he looks good, he's confident, all those sorts of things. But we're getting into year three now with Jason Hayward and the Cubs. And, like, do you think this could be a year where Madden, like, Hayward's playing time gets cut into a little bit? Maybe El even in right field, if you have happen center, Almore in and right, Schwarber and left, because it's, I mean, he can't hit a baseball. We know, how, we know how great he is defensively, but he's clearly having the struggles at the plate. So do you think this could be the year where they start kind of cutting into his playing time, or do you see Madden kind of sticking with him through it, um, even if he is struggling at the plate?
5: Well, Madden, like he says, and I believe him when he says it, is that he loves looking out from the dugout and seeing Jason Hayward uh, in right field. And I think the Cubs, as an overall lineup, are probably going to hit enough to cover for that. Pitchers love what Hayward can do for them uh, out there, so I think he'll get certainly get a, a long run out there. I think they're going to give him a genuine shot to see if whether or not the extent of these adjustments uh, sometimes is unclear. But they like the idea of Chili Davis working with him. Uh, kind of uh, a fresh start. There's no one who's more respected uh, in that clubhouse. But certainly, we all can see it. We can see the way Ian Happ is playing. He's ascending. Uh, we'll see if the new slimmed down Kyle Schwarber what that means for him uh, offensively. So he is certainly part of that outfield mix. Um, I think part of it too, though it's, it's a little too early to, to write off Hayward because you know. Oh, Moore Mora's going to, like, run into a wall or something like that. I mean, that guy just plays with such maximum effort. Um, ben Zobrist, do we know if his creaky back is going to uh, flare up on him again? So I feel like there's enough kind of uncertainty going around uh, that outfield that it's hard to, like, pin down Hayward uh, as a part-time player. But you're right. I mean, those tough decisions that Madden's made in the playoffs of turning Hayward into a part-time player, I mean, certainly that's going to be, uh, you know, at the at the front of his mind the deeper we get into the season.
2: Madden says how much he loves Peter Borges. You think he's going to make the team opening day? You think Borges will be on the 25-man roster?
5: Uh, I think he's made this a very tough decision for them. I think he's certainly played his way... Uh, firmly onto the bubble. Um he was brought in um, as the type of player Joe Madden loves to have on on the bench, whether it's uh defensive replacement for Schwarber late in the game, someone who could maybe uh steal a base, uh he's seen as a good influence uh in the clubhouse. So if they do take seven, which I'm not convinced the, that they're gonna um Take seven relievers, but uh, if they do, I certainly think he's kind of that next man up. And, you know, they're looking at, okay, they don't need him necessarily the first weekend of the season in Miami, but eventually, with all those questions in the outfield we're talking about, they're going to want someone uh, like him. And you kind of want to keep him uh, in the organization that way. So um, he's done everything. Dave Bass, he has a nice track record. He's a solid uh, role player. And he's at least forced them this kind of move off of this idea, which seemed pretty firm at the time, uh, of an eight-man bullpen.
2: If it is an eight-man bullpen, who gets that last spot?
5: Well, I guess we're assuming uh, Pedro Strop is healthy. Uh, to me, it's, I mean, Justin Hancock, the way Madden talks about him, I can't guarantee he's going to be on that opening day roster, but... And Joe's made a point to talk about him as having A-list stuff, as having a lightning bolt uh, for an arm. Uh, so I think that guy, I don't quite get the love for Eddie Butler uh, on Twitter and these kind of conversations, uh, you know, around Madden amongst the media. I think, yes, I get he can be kind of a long man, but to me, the momentum was on his side last year as a guy coming in from Colorado, change of scenery guy. Really excited to work with him. Um, so I think if he does make the team, it's essentially kind of delaying the inevitable of maybe trying to sneak him through waivers later. Uh, I have a hard time imagining him being on the team, you know, from game one sixty one all the way through game one sixty two.
2: Let's talk about the leadoff spot for a minute. Everybody wants to figure out who the next Dexter Fowler is, and, and, and there aren't a whole lot of teams in baseball that have a pure, genuine leadoff guy, and everyone's trying to figure out who's going to be the leadoff guy, and it's it's just going to be a matchup game for Madden, whether it's Hap Almora, even Schwaber or Zobrist. If you had to bet, who do you think does get the most reps, though, at the top of the lineup?
5: Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, Dexter Fowler wasn't even a leadoff guy for the Cardinals most of last year, so... Um, I think it'll be like you say uh, matchups I think Hap will get some run there same as uh, Zobrist and um, I still think Madden hasn't completely ruled out the idea of bringing Schwarber back up there I think we'll see how he hits But Madden uh, is stubborn Uh, he really likes what Schwarber uh, can do there and if he gets off to a good start. I wouldn't be surprised to see him there uh, sooner rather than later.
2: How do you think Schwarber looked this spring?
5: Well, I think he looked good in that. I didn't see him that often in terms of, uh, you know, I feel like he was quietly able to go about his business after years of being such a focal point uh, on this team. Uh, I think Paul Sullivan wrote it in the Tribune a couple weeks ago, just this idea of Schwarber... Not being front and center, and I think in the long run that's probably uh, good for him. Not that he was seeking out attention or is a me first guy. It was just he was this larger than life character, and I think uh, the best thing for him this camp is that he's been able to blend uh, in, into the background, quietly uh, go about his work, and I think we'll see uh, that slim down Schwarber will probably help him uh, in the outfield too. You know, he hates. Uh, It really bothers him, this idea that he can't play the outfield. He felt that a couple of plays in the 2015 NLCS hardened a perception about him that he feels is not accurate. And I think he's going to get a chance to show that he can be this player that the Cubs uh, have really dreamed about and uh, really developed a a close connection with.
2: That's Patrick Mooney from The Athletic. He joined me on the Paul at the Park podcast. You can hear that at WGNradio.com, uh, iTunes, and Google Play. Thanks to Patrick. Thanks to Steve Greenberg from The Sun Times talking Loyola. He is down in Atlanta. And we also play, we had Devonte Harris, a Illinois State Redbird, trying to get uh, make it in the pros. He's working on getting drafted next month. Uh, right now, a mid- to late-round projection, a defensive back. And we also heard from Alex Dobrynkin, who joined Steve Cochran and Dave Ennett. Let's get to Barrett headlines on Sports Central as we wrap up Thursday's episode. Everybody's getting ready for Loyola. Uh, a couple of little football nuggets. John Timu, linebacker for the Bears, as expected, re-signed to a one-year deal. Uh, there was also a trade in the NFL today. The Giants, the New York football Giants trading defensive end Jason Pierre-Paul in a 2018 fourth-round pick to the Buccaneers for a third-round and fourth-round pick this year. This is 12 months after the Giants signed him to a contract with a max length of four years uh, worth up to $62 bucks. So, Giants, obviously, in rebuild mode. They held four of the first 69 picks in the draft. Second, 34th, 66th, and 69th, which is pretty nice for them. They also have the 108th overall pick in the fourth round and the 139th in the fifth. So, see what the Giants do. I'd be shocked if they draft a quarterback. So, a couple football nuggets there. There's also the, the NBA is just crazy. It's like every day there's like some... somebody does something that hasn't been done in 20 years. Charlotte Hornet Center, Dwight Howard who scored 32 points and grabbed 30 boards, becoming the first NBA player since 2010 and just the second since the 1981-82 season to post a 30-30 game. Uh, He was suspended for one game without pay for picking up his 16th technical foul of the season, 111-105 victory over the Brooklyn Nets. It'll cost him about $162,000. Kevin Love was the last player to hit the 30 30 mark in 2010 when he was with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Kevin Love, man, that guy's. I'm pretty hey. sure his teammates don't even like him. What's up, Ben?
1: I'm just curious. You know, during that game, did he get a uh, triple double? Because if he did, he could have gone quadruple double, you know, with the uh,
2: 16 technical there. That's a good point. Yeah. Think about it. I guess it's a, yeah, triple triple if you factor in, uh, yeah, that 16th technical. Yeah. Uh, that's Ben Anderson. He produces the show. Any corrections today? Would I screw up? Uh, <clears throat> nothing. Nothing
1: uh, too big. I just have a confirmation. Uh, that was the cat's third hat trick.
2: Right. Uh, right. We were talking about that. Alex so. DeBrinka three hat tricks this year. Yeah. One of three players to do it in the National Hockey League this season. Connor McDavid, Alex Ovechkin, and Alex DeBrinka. Mm-hmm. Pretty impressive company. I, I can't believe he did it. He's not even
1: he's not even twenty one yet. Yeah. He's having a good run. <laughs> did that. That's uh, Ben. Uh, well, it, anything else? I got one more for yeah, you. Yeah, what do you got? We we're, were talking about uh, teams in the tournament that yeah. haven't been upset. There are only two games in the uh, Sweet 16 without an upset team in there. Uh, Villanova, West Virginia, and Texas Tech versus Purdue. Right. Those those are the only right. two games that don't have Well, the South Region doesn't teams.
2: feature one of the top four seats. Yeah. South Region's just banana land. Yeah. That's Ben. I'm Kevin Powell. In for Adam Hogue. In one more day tomorrow. I think Monday, too. I don't know. We'll figure it out over the weekend. Tomorrow, though, we'll talk with Maddie Kenny. You may have heard us reference her earlier. She was on the show earlier this week. She writes for the Sun-Times, but she's a Loyola grad, and she's doing a great job covering the Ramblers and kind of telling her side and her perspective of things. So we're going to check in with her. We'll get her reaction to tonight's game immediately to begin tomorrow's show. I'm working on getting Jared Payton on the show tomorrow because J.P., was uh, talked with Quentin Nelson today, the standout guard for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, and everybody thinks he's got Hall of Fame future uh, in his future. And JP posted a pretty interesting uh, tweet today. It was a picture of he and Quentin Nelson, and he says Nelson told him he wants the Bears to draft him. And I think a lot of Bears fans want the Bears to draft Quentin Nelson. So I'm working on getting Jared Payton on, but we have Maddie Kenny. Jared Payton, and a very, very special guest at 140. You're not going to want to miss it on Sports Central. Kevin Powell in for Adam Hogue. Have a great Thursday, everybody. Good luck to the Ramblers.